This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola, how are you? Hey, Leo, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. You know, we took a little break last week. We did. And uh, were we just slacking? No, we're not slacking. <laughs> what was, were we? What were we doing? Well, there was some business I I personally had to take care of for my uh, my matrix participation. Your matrix participation <laughs> job. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that all went great. That all went great. Yes, and you're so, going to still be allowed to participate in the matrix. I think so. I think so. Um, Fingers crossed. Well, and and we had been kind of trucking along with, uh, what were we calling the season? Beyond the Veil. Beyond the Veil. And so, you know, we did some episodes on, um, uh, we had the Mandela effect. We Mm -hmm. had another one with Mitch around the frequency fence. Mm -hmm. We did... uh, We had Robert on. Robert, oh yeah, with astrology. Mm -hmm. And that was the last episode we did, and that that was a fun one. And then uh, um, we did the Hyperborea one, mm-hmm. and then we had we even had Flat Earth Day <laughs> on on the podcast. That was a crazy episode. That was crazy. So we just wanted to explore something a little different. Well, we're kind of coming back now to our roots, our roots, right? Because isn't it funny as the school year kicks on, mm-hmm. it seems like it, it's all coming to a head again. Yes. You know, and just this week... Or as the winter is approaching, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, just this week, I know what the big... the big. Well, we're going to talk about it a little bit today, mm-hmm. but, but the big thing that happened here was that the uh, COVID vaccines were approved. I mean, they were voted... It was voted on to recommend it to be on the childhood schedule. Right. And it was we were we're gonna talk about it uh, in this episode, but uh, let's see my notes. The Independent Vaccine Advisory Committee from the CDC they unanimously fifteen to zero voted to add COVID nineteen vaccine for children as young as six months old to the new child and adolescent immunization schedule which will be rolled out in February 2023. Wow. Something to look forward to in the new year. <laughs> I don't think they've seen the VAERS or the VSAFE data, so it's uh, definitely disappointing. Uh, but, I mean, we don't... It's it's like the government or the government or these entities, whatever they are, they're having like a, a tantrum, you know, and they oh, keep yeah, like yeah. intensifying their tantrum and trying to really push. It's like, why won't you just go along with what yeah, we want, you know? Push this uh, hardcore. And I think it's making it crystal clear that they don't care. Yeah. No, and I they agree. have an agenda. They have an agenda. We don't really know 100% what this agenda is, but it's definitely not 
in benefit of humanity. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting with the recommendation on the childhood schedule, because I think, you know, you and I both know that, you know, they do that for a moment. They want to get that on that schedule because then they get liability protection across through to, to uh, uh, adults. Um, so if Well, they can... the other thing, too, that came out is that they're actually raising the price per dose the manufacturers yeah that's are true doing that too and and really they have not had the uptake that they thought they would which mm -hmm. is an intriguing thing because you would think okay if you're not selling the units that you want then you would lessen the price because mm -hmm. you know you're, you're trying to make it more available mm -hmm. um but no they're going the other way and part of that reason is because the the government is going to buy those mm -hmm. you know and they're going to pay whatever they're being asked to pay so it, it's it's really uh, a vicious circle so so right now i think you've and got a, i think right now in the country i was just reading that two-thirds of the adults don't want to take the booster. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. That's it's, that have taken the the original. The shot. Yeah, it, it, I mean, people, but I've known people there in the in their fifth booster, yeah. and they have terrible reactions, but they're thankful. They're thankful, yeah, that because it's not COVID. They would be dead if uh, they hadn't had those shots. And know. people that have had the shot and say now they have long COVID. Oh, I know. Whatever that is. Oh, good Lord, long COVID. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. The gift you know? that keeps on giving. So uh, we, uh, like we, I mentioned, we're, we're getting back into kind of our old swing of things mm -hmm. after getting behind or be, our COVID be, news. Yeah, after getting behind After a little, a little break. Um, but I mean, I think that, that we're ready. We've seen a lot of stuff. We've wanted to kind of reconnect with that. And uh, we've had people in the Telegram channel talking about stuff. We, I had a new parent group we got into that is talking about a lot of this. Um, you know, they're also talking about some of the the gender ideology stuff in schools. And, Which and we will cover. We'll cover as well in, in later episodes. Not today's, right? Not today, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit too much for me today. Okay, I can't do both. But uh, yeah, no, we're, we're excited to kind of uh, uh, dovetail on the season back into some of the, the stalwart topics that uh, we got going and on. And we are actually going to finally tackle autism. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this may not be the only episode, but mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to we're going to start that, which, you know, that's a topic that uh, we've really had close to our hearts over the years, mm -hmm. you know, with our experience and our own family. So, yeah. Well, I mean, with that said, I mean, our, I know we've got some guests today. We have some very exciting guests. Yeah. So uh, should we bring them on and then do the intro with them on? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and see if they're available. We'll bring them on here. Hang on. All right. Well, we've got them on the line now. So I'm going to go ahead and do a little introduction here. So Pam Long is a graduate of USMA at West Point and an Army veteran officer of the Medical Service Corps. She is currently the military health writer for Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s organization, Children's Health Defense, and monthly guest on conservative radio KLZ 560 AM regarding state politics and freedom issues in Colorado. Her colleague, Melissa, a warrior mother and activist, is also with us today. 
Together, they produce the Serious Shot podcast, sponsored by the Colorado Health Choice Alliance, an organization that is committed to protecting vaccine exemptions, promoting informed consent, and preserving medical privacy in the state of Colorado. In their podcast, they discuss medical freedom, health topics, and what is going on with the legislature as it pertains to health freedom in the state of Colorado. Woo-hoo! Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> we what love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We've been wanting to talk about the topic of autism for a while. And with all the COVID nonsense, we haven't been able to do so. And when I wanted to talk about that, I couldn't think of anyone better than my super amazing friend and sister, (laughs) Melissa. And then she introduced me to your podcast and it was just amazing. And she told me amazing things about you, Pam. So I just wanted to start, I don't think we ever really shared a whole bunch about our journey with our son. I mean, we talk about it here and there, but just so you guys, not Melissa knows our story pretty good, but we wanted to share a little bit with you, Pam, and with the audience. So um, so our firstborn, when he was born, I didn't know anything, okay? Didn't know. I thought that a good mother took their child to the pediatrician. And um, as we went along, I learned that that was not, at least the pediatrician that I had was not the best. And so um, he had an injury, a vaccine injury. And after that, when he was six months, so it all started there when he was six months. And after that... Um, he just was never the same child. And so we finally got a diagnosis of autism and the state of Missouri was helping. So we we're in the first steps program and they basically like the doctor that we talked to and the therapist said, well, ABA is the way to go. There's nothing really you can do. You'd be lucky if you can put some coherent sentences together and, He's just never going to be able to keep up with his peers. And that was, that was it. And do 40 hours of ABA. And I was like, and that does not sound right. And so we started, we found, found some brilliant health practitioners to help us. Um, we found the Sunrise Program. That's where I met Melissa. And um, now he's in seventh grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. She didn't even know what grade she was in. Eighth grade. <laughs> Amazing. You know, student has friends. It is actually learning. Uh, he's actually training to be a pilot. <laughs> and he loves flying. He loves learning. He loves playing. He loves doing all the things that boys love to do. And we learn with this journey that... Autism was much more than just, you know, your head is detached from your body and this neurological thing. We found out there was massive issues with toxicity in his body. And so we worked to get the toxins out and um, restore the terrain. And he little by little just came back to us. So that's our story. And I wanted to know your stories. I wanted you guys to share your stories. I mean, did you always know that the vaccines were a danger and health choice was, or informed consent was actually a thing. I didn't know. I didn't even know what informed consent was back then. Uh, Or did you just had a rude awakening like we did? (laughs) Who wants to start? I'll I'll start. Um, So Benjamin was two months old when he first had uh, his first 
vaccine injury that he recovered from. And I did do research. Um, I actually had home birth so that, well, entirely so that he would avoid autism because I knew that hospitals do all these medical interventions and I was afraid they'd give him the hep B shot. And I was like, nope, having that at home. And then um, I decided to do one vaccine, which was DTaP. And I did it four times. And the first time he had a very acute reaction, which was um, screaming for hours and hours and hours. And I now know that's called the encephalitic scream. I know that the package insert says, if your baby screams for more than three hours, don't ever do this again. Um, I told mm -hmm. my doctor's office that he was still screaming five hours later. And they're like, oh, that's totally normal. That's fine. Um, and so I took him back for another one at four months and, and he did, you know, after five hours, he five and a half hours, he stopped screaming, went to sleep and I cried and then he was fine the next day. And then at four months, um, then he got another shot and he stopped looking at me. And if you think about a four month old baby, really all they want to do is look at whoever's holding yeah. them, right? They just stare at you constantly. And he could barely hold his head up, yet he would whip it around from side to side to avoid looking at me for two weeks. And, you know, and I somehow had convinced myself that he was mad at me for giving him another shot, which sounds really dumb in retrospect, but you're trying to like figure out what's going on and make sense of it. And you don't have the knowledge base that we have now of what's mm -hmm. going on. And so then the sixth one, I, he didn't have any acute reaction to. And I had discovered lidocaine, topical lidocaine. And I thought, oh, exactly. It was, he was mad at me because he was in pain because I did it without the pain. And now he's not mad at me, um, which clearly wasn't it because when we got the very, the fourth one, he lost eye contact, uh, responding to his name, following simple directions and all the words that he had as a 15 month old. They were just mm -hmm. gone within five days. All of that was gone. And I talked to the pediatrician about it and she said, oh, he's not talking because he doesn't have siblings and you don't have him in daycare. And I thought, that is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because you look back and you're like, well, daycare hasn't existed forever. Mm -hmm. Single children have existed forever. And, you know, we haven't had kids that lost language. And I was like, he lost language. And she's like, just take him to daycare for a couple of days a week. And I was just like, oh, okay. So that was, that was when I was done with pediatricians. Cause she said, wait and see what happens. Wait and see what happens. And I started doing research and I started seeing this gut brain connection and leaky gut. And, and if I don't start treating leaky gut, I'm just poisoning his brain more and more and more. Why would I just wait and see what happens? Why right. wouldn't I start trying to figure it out? And so we immediately changed his diet. And I say, we, it was me. Um, <laughs> diet and took out, I can't remember if I did dairy first or gluten first, but whichever one I did first, it was like a couple of days later, he looked at me and I was like, bingo, we're onto something. Right. right? Um, and so I, that was my last appointment with a pediatrician. I was absolutely done at that point. And um, just further and further got into the rabbit hole of it. I had obviously thought, okay, this one's the one I want. I was afraid of whooping cough. Um, I had read Dr. Bob Sears's book about vaccines, you know, the, whatever his, the alternative schedule right. thing. And, um, you know, and I'm still, I, I still have, 
I have anger about those doctors that are sitting on the fence um, who they know they're bad. They know that it's killing children. They know that it's disabling children for life. Yet they're like, let's do an alternative schedule. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, I'm, I don't blame him, but <clears throat> I just, those fence setters kill me because that I went by that. And that was what convinced me to do one. And that was what took my son for me. Um, he, he, again, Fabi and I met when uh, my son was three, her son was four. And um, my son is not recovered, but he is doing amazingly well. He's doing awesome. Uh, yeah, he's doing really great. He's he is grade level at school. We can't get through all of the material, but he is at grade level in school and he has communication problems. Um, and he, he has lots of verbal stems and um, behavioral issues. So I homeschool him because he wouldn't do well in a regular school. Um, yeah. And then I met I met Pam being politically active, and I, I the first time I ever saw Pam. I'll never forget <laughs> the Capitol uh, in Denver. Uh, I was there testifying for a bill that Pam helped write, which was declaring autism an epidemic in Colorado. And she can talk more to it. But the point being, if it's an epidemic, a declared epidemic, then we get more federal funds to help with autism in our state. And we need it because they're not preparing for what's happening here at all. And um I, I'm just sitting there. I don't know anybody. I don't even know how I found out about it. And I'm just sitting there and, and they're trying to do something like limit testimony or tell us we can't testify at all or something like that. And one of the legislators and Pam, you might remember who it is, but one of the legislators kind of stopped right here and Pam was like, blah, 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 right in her face. Like we will testify and you can't do this. And here are the rules. And here's the, you know, and I was like, <laughs> and so uh with that bill and with maybe a subsequent bill i just started working with her and and the other people in colorado health choice alliance and kind of got more involved that way and you know when you find your people you just keep going so it is awesome Amazing. when you find your people yeah 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 pam tell us your story Oh gosh. Um, you know, so many parents report like the, the encephalitis scream, like Melissa just mentioned in like that one night where they, they lose their child, you know, their, their child is never the same the fever, yeah. the scream, diarrhea. That was not our experience. I, I actually have a typical child first. He's now uh, just graduated from college and, um, and we were, you know, go following the CDC schedule for the most part for him. And um, he was having colic and ear infections. And what we know today that unvaccinated children do not have these chronic illnesses, right? Mm -hmm. But right. Um, he was my first and we were um, in a, under the military health care at the time. And um, I was concerned. I was concerned that uh, we were, you know, he was just never healthy, you know, um, and I would put him in daycare and pull him out of daycare and I was on active duty and I was a commander. And um, I had this kid that just w w should have been healthy and, and was never healthy and nothing like major, but it something was off. And in fact, at six weeks, he, he stopped breathing. Um, and I took him on post um, 
to to the urgent care and um the doctors told me oh that's normal babies have irregular breathing you know and um everything's normal everything's yes. normal yeah. And it wasn't sure, the vaccine. <laughs> it, well, and then I didn't figure this out later when you hear my younger son's story that that when I went back and looked at what had happened that that day, he had been vaccinated that his six week shots, but I didn't connect at the time that mm -hmm. he stopped breathing on the day of his six week shots. Wow. So, um, so then my younger son, they're about four years apart. He had a slow fade regression. There was never one night where after a certain set of shots or whatever, where we had just, you know, he fell apart. It was after his 15th month um, MMR, this, um, his first MMR vaccine, that it was a slow fade regression where he lost language. He lost eye contact. We thought he was going deaf. We, the first diagnosis you know, you, you get is like a sensory processing disorder that that's basically nerve damage that we're giving a new name. And um, ultimately, he would be diagnosed with um, encephalitis, which is a chronic form of um, or encephalopathy, which is a chronic form of encephalitis. This is brain swelling. And when you go back and look at your child's records, you see, you know, I have a big pumpkin head, but my kids, you know, when you look at their records, they, you know, especially my younger one, he had this exponential growth circumference of the head and that, that is brain swelling. And so we did a, a lot of things to um, get him back, which I'm sure we'll talk about in this mm -hmm, podcast, for but sure. um, he is not fully recovered. We, um, there's so, so many different forms of injury, right? Um, some kids are really affected verbally. We were able to get language back. Um, we really didn't have any behavior issues. Um, really, he was just cognitively behind and, and, and he still is today, but he's now 18 and um, we had a massive regression at age 17, which is something we can talk about too. Um, because it seems like everyone in my life warned me that puberty and teenage years would bring a regression, but nobody really fully prepared me for, um, you know, the last year and, and what the root cause is and what to do about it. And we, we still don't have it quite figured out, to be honest, but um, we were living our lives for 17 years. We were, we were doing most things that we had a great quality of life and we had um friends and trips and traveled and there really wasn't much we could not do with our younger son we could take him anywhere which is a total blessing which is not the case for many kids on the spectrum they have so many sensory needs and communication needs and behavioral needs um that their parents can't take them traveling or in public places and so um we are now at age 18 experiencing that where we are very limited in what we can do publicly with him. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I had totally forgotten. And I remember there were some parents when we were doing the Sunrise program training who had their children in that age group. And they were talking about that kind of that secondary regression in the teenage years. And it totally I totally lost that until you just mentioned it. And uh, yeah, that definitely is a thing now that now that you say that. So I'm hoping to get into that because that's really interesting to me. I know we're just kind of starting the teenage years. Are, are, we have mm -hmm. a soon to be 14 year old next yeah. week. Um, 
but yeah, and, and we do see, we do see, uh, you know, obviously the, the adolescent changes, you know, they're, they're a little bit more exacerbated than I think that they might be with, uh, with other children, but, but, uh, yeah, no, so very interested to, to get in, yeah. in your head on those, those things. So let's dive in, let's dive in. So as the numbers continue to soar, and data is now suggesting it's one in 30 children between the ages of three and 17, they are getting a diagnosis. So in your experience and in your view, what is autism really? And what are the causes of this epidemic in your view? Um, they're really not talked about. And is recovery possible? I mean, we saw just, um, a miraculous change with our child. Um, but I know that's not everybody's experience. So I wanted to get your take on that. Well, who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll, I'll go first and spoke with someone first last time. All right, there you go. <laughs> so it's, it's toxic overload. It's when a person of any age really hits their toxic tipping point. And um, for a lot of children, it is the 72 dose schedule of vaccines in the United States, which other countries do very differently. Um, you know, for example, Japan will, will not allow a baby under the age of two to receive the DTaP vaccine, which is diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis because of the SIDS risk. So, I mean, any parent who's who's thinking you know just fact check me go look at other schedules around the world we have the most aggressive vaccine schedule in the world and we do not have a good good health outcome um, with our children and um but it can be it doesn't have to be vaccines i know families where it was anesthesia and all of this makes sense if you understand the genetic mutation of mthfr mm -hmm. which my my son has it my affected son and our son um, has it as well and melissa you too as well no not no okay well many families a high percentage are affected by this and it, it's a, a way to measure they're not good methylators they're not good detoxifiers they cannot metabolize what we know to be like 300 drugs um so before we load our kids up if you're a new parent on you know 72 doses of vaccines before the age of 18 and most of them are before age five you know it would be good to know you know to screen your child to yeah. see if they're good detoxifiers and it doesn't it could be a vaccine it could be anesthesia it could be anything that's mthfr contraindicated and nitrous at the dentist's office is a huge one for M mthfr as well i mean one out of six people have mthfr and if you just go give your kid nitrous, you may find out the hard way that, mm -hmm. that they have that problem. Well, you know, and this is one, of, I think one of the most challenging things to go over with people, because I know that when you get into a conversation with, you know, what you might call more normie people, you know, who, who haven't been exposed, you know, they think that, you know, we only think that specific vaccines, you know, provide the injury and that's or that the, it's really rare. It's really rare. And, and I'm trying to always make the point. It was like, no, you know, I mean, it, it, you have this ability, just like Michael Jordan had the ability to play basketball. You have this ability to detoxify and, and everybody has a different level, uh, built into their, 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 uh, their Thank function. You. And if, uh, you, 
create an onslaught of toxicity and you don't you are not michael jordan or even really you're not even at a, a modicum level of detoxification skill then uh, you're, you're going to suffer injury and, and have challenges and it may not be a vaccine it could be the types of foods that you eat it could be uh the uh, electromagnetic interference you know because you live in a, a densely wi-fi or, or electromagnetic area and it's just very difficult for people to wrap their arms around all these different influences and how those could lead their children to have developmental you know challenges right there there are tons of them and i think that people one of the problems too is people don't even if you tell them these things are toxic they don't actually see them as toxic right and then they use febreze and they use bleach and they use Mm -hmm. tons of toxic soaps and I mean, lots of toxins and hand sanitizers now and sanitizer and they're, they're eating GMO food and, and they're eating all these pesticides and all these preservatives in their food and antibiotics and, oh, they were on, you know, they were on, uh, SSRIs while they were pregnant and they have, you know, lots of mercury amalgams. I mean, like, and it just piles on. It's cumulative, yeah. It's very cumulative and, and they don't see that. And it, and it reminds me of, you know, people talking about this kind of reduced schedule because I, I've talk, tried to talk to people at church that I know are very open to it. Um, cause I go to a highly, highly, um, conspiracy theory church. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? I didn't even know that was a thing. Open-minded. They're all great. And, you know, and and the couple of moms that really pushed on it have said, oh, well, we do a modified schedule. And, you know, what I tried to very gently say to them is poison is poison no matter how slowly you give it to your child. Mm -hmm. And so it's still poison. It's still formaldehyde. It's still polysorbate 80. It's still... Aluminum. It's still still aluminum. It's still mercury. It's still all those things. You're spreading the poison out. That's not really helping their immune system. And so people just, they don't see that all of those things are poisons. And, and it's one of those things too, where when you say to somebody, all these things are poison, then they're like, I don't know how to deal with it. Like they don't know how to start cleaning up their lives because there is so much to do. Yeah. Well, right. we've been doing it for 10 years right. or more. And so, yeah, okay, I don't have Wi Fi. We don't eat corn. We don't, you know, <laughs> I got all the things. I'm doing all the things, but it's taken me years to get there. You, it's overwhelming mm-hmm. for someone to think, oh, I can't use my Glade plugin and I can't <laughs> use this and I can't use that and we can't go to McDonald's and we can't, and I, oh, I'm not allowed to use Wi Fi. And oh, I, I, wait, we have a smart, you know, there's just too many things. Yeah. And, 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 and then people are like, uh, well, then why did these people get uh, sick? You know, like COVID and whatnot. Why did they get sick? I was like, well, what about all these other things that we're not talking about? And I was like, oh, well, it couldn't be those things. But it's not a virus. <laughs> what is it? So anyway, so, um, yeah. Oh, so- yeah, but let's continue the conversation. So let's talk about, so we toxicity in the environment. That's something to talk about. And um if it is toxicity, then what do we do? If parents get overwhelmed, where do you start? Is recovery possible for these children? Well, if I could back up back a up. little Let's yeah. back up. It's, it's also generational, right? So we, because I write about the military a lot and I'm a veteran, and um, 
we know that in the military, it's it's not public knowledge, but it, I mean, it is FOIA requestable that at one point someone requested the Exceptional Family Member Program data on autism and developmental disorders. In the military, um, in, in their dependents had twice as much autism and developmental disorders than the civilian population. Wow. And what do we know? It's never really been studied, but what do we really know about our military personnel. They're the most vaccinated population that we have in the world. And, and so then you have, you know, people near their toxic tipping point having children, and then those children on the most aggressive schedule of all time. So I, you know, we have this, this, you know, red flag that that's, that's not going well. Um, and again, it's, it hasn't been studied because the data is not released and, mm -hmm. and the outcomes and the conclusions would not be good for mm -hmm. pharma. Um, yeah, we so, always hear, what is it? Ca uh, causation. What is it? Correlation does correlation not equal causation. It's not equal causation. Yeah. So, but we know, um, we know from other vaccines that they had detrimental harm on the dependence of the military. The anthrax vaccine had detrimental harm on the children born to those who were vaccinated. It had detrimental harm on the spouses of our service members. Um, so so these the effects of toxins can be passed not only to your spouse um, or you know sexually and to your children. So I think we haven't really educated the public on toxicity is generational, right? So we have a toxic burden, we're passing it on to our children as well. So with that, I mean, all the more reason when, you know, Melissa was talking about people get really overwhelmed when you talk about it's your diet, it's your Wi-Fi, it's your cleaning supplies, it's your makeup, it's your medications, it's in everything, right? So just start somewhere in your in your detox and it's usually food. It's that is probably, I would say, your go-to because we also haven't educated the public on the gut-brain connection, right? Our brain is very important but your gut is a big part of your immune system in your, in your brain. So you have to clean up diet first. You have to get back to, you know, whole foods and avoiding all the chemicals that we put in foods, all the ways that we disrupt natural foods with genetically modifying, modifying them and um, pesticides. Stuff like pesticides. all of it, you know, Roundup. Is, as much as you can get, back to like whole organic food and restoring probiotics. I mean, we live in a culture that, I mean, probiotics, what? I mean, fermented foods, what, what are you talking about? It's not a part of our culture. And I would say those would be like, everyone should start there, regardless of what your symptoms are, what your diagnosis is. We all need to clean up our diets. And I think Melissa would, <laughs> Melissa would agree with me. That's where we start. Yeah. That's where we started as well. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that really when we well, when you got us really hardcore on the diet, which obviously is not easy, but you know we saw some of the biggest gains there, and it's like okay, and and really those gains were what made it worth it because it certainly wasn't fun. <laughs> you know, what now I mean? for us it wasn't, um, you know, like you took Terry, and then the next day they're looking at you. I mean, it took it took oh, time, yeah, yeah. and it took time to figure out. Okay, what are the offenders? We started with an allergist back then, you know, 11, 12 years ago or 30, I don't even know. And he was allergic to everything. And we're like, okay, so he's allergic to everything. What am I going to feed him? 
why is he allergic to everything? Yeah. And then, you know, it took time to learn. Okay, he's got is a mess. <laughs> so we got to start well, cleaning that up. Point, Shabby, he, Benjamin didn't start looking at me and then keep looking at me like <laughs> normal eye contact. It was like I wasn't getting any contact right. at all. And then he would periodically every once in a while glance and look into my eyes. Like it wasn't, eye contact didn't really come until mm -hmm. he was probably eight seven or eight years old is when he got a true good eye contact with me and other people. Mm -hmm. um, and then what was I going to, you were talking about diet. I'm sorry. Go oh, on. no. no I'll jump in. Yes, go I, ahead. I think it's important to know because I have talked to so many people about uh, diet, like gluten-free, casein-free. Um, many people think you can try these diets for a week and then it's too hard right. and it didn't show any benefit. And so I'm not going to do it anymore. Like these the byproducts of these gluten and dairy stay in your body for one to three months. Yeah. So yeah. if you are going to try gluten-free or dairy-free diet, you, you have to go, you have to commit to like three months to get these byproducts, the opioids, the opioids out of your body. Um, and for us, um, we did gluten and dairy and I, and it was amazing. It was it was life changing. I think that's part of the reason why we were able to get language back. And I mean, say that to any pediatrician, and they probably, I mean, they they're not they don't have the intellectual curiosity, right? But when you're when you're sitting at home with a child who lost language, and someone says, "Hey, you could change his diet, and he could get language back," it's worth it, right? Yeah. Dig into it, even if everyone said you have nothing to lose. Yeah. Isn't that the crazy thing is like here, we can recommend something that if you can do it, it really doesn't matter if you, you're, you're going to have health benefits from it anyway. Yeah. You know, even if you don't get the, the, the benefits that you, that you think you're, you're going for, it's going to be better for, for you and your family long-term, but they don't even do that. You know, they don't give that guidance rarely at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, one of the things that people need to understand is that the sooner you start, the easier it is right? If, if you do it when your kid's two or three, probably when most people are getting a new, new diagnosis at this point, yeah. that's the time because they have, the kids have no control over what they're eating at that age. And then they are used to it by the time they have some curiosity as to other foods. And two is that like Pam said, you have to commit. Um, I, I know a woman who really wanted to try the gluten-free, dairy-free diet and her kid, and this is very common, boycotted all food all day long because all he ate was gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, she was like, well, he's hungry. So she gave him, you know, a bar and some yogurt and some, you know, whatever. And I was like, like he will eat in yeah. the next couple of days if you just commit to it, right? Mm -hmm. it it's challenging. And the kids will, Benjamin went through this, it's almost... And it varies from kid to kid, but they can detox, right? It's almost like they're detoxing from a drug. Yeah. And they have just like these crazy behaviors because, you know, the microbiome that is alive and well, that's not supposed to be there is going, give me more milk, give mm -hmm. me more gluten goldfish i remember my kid at the yeah. park he saw a goldfish on the ground and he <laughs> went for it and i'm like it's like that bad it's like an addiction it was crazy well what, remember what he wasn't he licking the floor because there's yes. like there's like gluten and like uh varnish or no, I something it's like mineral deficiency i don't know what it was oh, yeah. There's yeah, that yeah. Too. yeah i'm like what are you doing <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, but but I mean, th- these these are the things that people need to understand. They're they're not going to be overnight uh, remedies. But you know, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that didn't see some benefit when they instituted the something diet. like that long term with mm-hmm. the gut. You know, we it's been life changing for us. I mean, I know like when we get sick. We eliminate dairy and sugar. That's like the first thing. Dairy and sugar are just out the door until nobody has sniffles anymore. And usually it's like two days and then boom, you're everybody's good. Yeah, to so let's again. jump into the detox part. So we start with diet. And I think detox is the hardest because your doctor would not even detox. What what are you talking about? Yeah. So there are a handful that do. There are a handful that that do that. But like conventional well, pediatrician like Dan doctors, right? There's yeah. the right. De- it used to be called defeat autism. Now, of course, mm-hmm. defeating autism. That's where we started. This is offensive to people. So um, <laughs> they're now called what maps or something like that. Okay. Uh, but those doctors are open to detoxing. I mean, they have to be because that's what autism is about. It's about they know about it. detoxing, right? Yeah. Which I feel like your standard pediatrician. <clears throat> Doesn't. But I don't know that they know yeah. um, more um, inventive ways to do it. You know, they have this like standard protocol. It's like normal doctors, right? They have a standard protocol to do something the way that they do it. And that doesn't work for everyone. And if you go to a nutritionist or a homeopath or a naturopath or, you know, kind of start doing some different things, they all have different ideas. And then you can try different things and see what seems to really work for your child. Mm-hmm. And you know that, and that's the other thing too that that we didn't mention is that I think a lot of people think there's this standard path, right, that you can do for diet, and it's and it's really different all the way around for everybody, you know. So I mean, just what works for you. I know we tried about everything under the sun, mm-hmm. and you know the stuff that we dropped was really really helpful for other kids, you know. And and there, there you have to mm-hmm. find, but you'd be willing to put that work in to find what what is going to get your kid those those. Uh, and the benefits. other thing too, I remember when we started, and I'm trying to connect with other parents, and I think that was the biggest thing right for me just connecting with other parents that had already started on the journey and then very quickly I observed that there were different camps (laughs) there were the camps of the parents that were strictly like just therapy your OT your ABA and acceptance that okay my my child's brain is different and then there was the kid that was like you know let's detox let's you know, let's change diet. Let's try this practitioner. Try this. Try that. Um, why do you guys think that is? Why do you think there's like the split and the divide? Why can we just all treat the body as a whole connected? Why do we have to compartmentalize like that? Oh, it's just a brain thing. So we'll just do therapy and because nothing else will work. It's a great coping, coping mechanism to think my child was born this way. Um, we have a lot of children here that move that are medical refugees to Colorado for um, medical cannabis. And I have, I have learned that autism, which is a psychological diagnosis, right. not a medical diagnosis, it, um, it, it also in the seizure community that we give children who are healthy um, up until four, six, eight years old who sudden onset seizure disorder. We have about a dozen names for these rare syndromes. Wow. And I tell parents, anytime you hear sudden onset 
insert name, that that is environmental insult. That is, that is a need for detox. And, and you can see the parallel right now with COVID. Mm-hmm. We have sudden onset death. For adults. Every, for adults. What's happening? I mean, that's a very bold statement to make, but sudden onset should be like that little siren in your head that says, I think my doctor's gaslighting me. And we're not <laughs> yeah. really talking about root cause and what contributed, you know, how my, how I got to this age in life, all of a sudden I have this rare genetic disorder that I've lived without for all these years. It doesn't make sense. And that happens a lot with um, our little friends in the seizure community that they were living till four or six, or it coincides with the vaccine schedule. Mm -hmm. And we just give them different, depending on what age they're diagnosed or they tip into seizure disorders, we give them different names for these seizures disorders, but we tell parents, oh, it's sudden onset, da 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 disorder. Mm-hmm. Which um, just sounds very yeah. official, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you throw the term genetic disorder, then mm-hmm. it tells parents, this has always been here. It's part of their genes. And it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, and it's your fault. Um, <laughs> but I think that that also lends towards the reason why some people don't try to do more, right? Because, oh, it's genetic. Yeah, oh, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's exactly. And you have a society who worships doctors, right? Which we've seen through COVID, like <clears throat> people worship Anthony Fauci and, I'm, mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable, right? I mean, we were all sitting around from day one going, oh, this is, here comes the vaccine. <laughs> yes, yes, vaccine that's why we started the podcast. Like, like we knew that this wasn't a real thing that they were making this whole thing up to to push us down towards what we now know as the great reset right mm-hmm. um but there are a lot of people that are like oh we must you yeah, know there's still people double masking all by themselves in their cars and, and it's just like, what what are they thinking mm-hmm. um, but those are the people that they had an autistic kid would be like oh it's genetic right oh, well, We saw this in COVID with um, very early on when the vaccines first came out. You might remember this, where there were a few media stories where they were telling the public, the official story, experts were telling the public, these COVID vaccines might unmask that you actually have MS. Like it's (laughs) in your body and you don't, you're living with MS or some other disorder and you don't know it. And this vaccine might just, it's not going to cause MS. It's just going to unmask that you already were living with it, but you didn't know it. Right. Even if you can buy into that, then let's not unmask it. Right. right? Let's let's leave it alone. Great, great Um, point. (laughs) I mean, but people are like, oh, okay. All right. That could happen, you know, um, to a rare few people but i mean if you or i had my vaccine and i had a heart attack well as my father you know had yeah it's genetic you know and and i i I couldn't avoid it i couldn't avoid even though i'm barely 50 years old and so yeah or it's long covid long covid yeah i had cancer then i got vaccinated now i have long covid it's covid unfortunately but speaking of COVID can we go and talk about what just happened this week like the big news of the week that a lot of parents are freaking out about it um the CDC's independent vaccine advisory committee 
uh, voted unanimously 15 to 0 to add the COVID-19 vaccine for children as young as six months old to the new child and adolescence immunization schedule, which will roll out next February. What are your thoughts on that? And um, how can we <laughs> show up to the legislators and say, hell no? Because <laughs> it's really a state thing, right? Because it really doesn't matter what they recommend. It's the states that... Yeah, Florida already said, no, we're not doing that. A lot of our red states have already come out and said, you know, we'll push back against any type of school mandate or a pediatric mandate. But if I could even bring it back before we're even facing the legislature, I want parents right now to know there are no FDA approved versions of the COVID vaccine in existence. Their names are Cominardi and Spikevax. And I know this through reading all the military lawsuits that, um, and no one can, it can be mandated to take an experimental EUA emergency use authorized vaccine. So every parent listening right now for the, probably the next at least year, maybe further, I personally don't think they will ever produce the FDA approved versions um, because of what is required for them to be transparent about the manufacturers. So, so first parents should know that before you go fight the legislature or your state board of health about any potential, whoever in your state mandates it or recommends it to be added to the schedule, it's different in every state. In Colorado, it's our board of health has been given authority to adopt the ASIP recommendations in just the last two years. Um, but they should still convene stakeholders and there should be public input, all those things. So definitely engage wherever the battle is, whether it's at the legislature or the state board of health, but go in knowing you've already won that every vial out in existence right now is clearly labeled emergency use authorization, meaning no one can make you take that experimental drug. You don't even, you shouldn't even need an exemption for it because you can just say, no, it's not mm -hmm. FDA approved. Mm -hmm. And I've been tweeting about this this week and parents are like, wow, I, I had no idea. I just heard that they were approved and now right. they're being mandated. Whatever the language is, approved, recommended, mandatory, required. If that little label says EUA on it, which they all do on the vial, I'm talking about you would actually have to ask the pharmacist or the pediatrician before they, um, because they're multi-dose vials, before they pull and fill a syringe and offer it to you. And usually they just lay the syringes on a tray or bring one syringe out to you. You want to see the vial where, the, where they pull the syringe from. Mm -hmm. And if it says EUA, you can say, no, thank you. And you can go back to whoever, your employer, your school, your legislator, uh, the board of health and say, I've been to my doctor, the pharmacy, wherever you potentially your vaccine provider, they do not have FDA approved vaccines. Mm -hmm. And we really need to educate the public on this. And we then we need to go and educate our state board of health and our legislature. And the reason why I think that, well, first Pfizer has said, we will not produce Cominardi until all the EUA stockpiles are depleted, meaning they're not going to let inventory go to waste and they keep um, every six months, they keep renewing the expiration date. That should also be a red flag. How mm -hmm. safe are these if they've already been renewed twice, right? Ex right? Their expiration date has come up twice and we're still using these drugs. Um, that's a concern. And 
so Pfizer doesn't have liability on these EUA products. That's why that's the motivation. Mm -hmm. And they will have a limited amount of liability once they produce the FDA version, but to produce the FDA approved version, they still have a number of FDA requirements just to produce the label. The label requires clinical trial samples that will be tested in the lab. I personally don't foresee Pfizer giving up samples of the FDA approved version for transparency with the public not in the, in the near future. Now, this is a really good point. I think it, it merits just a little bit more, more time because there's a nuance there that you bring up. And we did an episode a while back about the community or whatever it's called, the funny one. But uh, when they got the initial approval or whenever that was way, way back when, I think it was in the spring or something, that was this vaccine that was not produced yet. It was, it was essentially going to be a clone of the EUA it was produced in another facility and and then and then distributed but uh, when they gave that approval everybody's thinking okay it's approved I'm going I'm gonna go get the the shot now but to your point the the one that was approved the community brand was not in any locations it was not anywhere and we didn't know at that time and you're saying actually even now because that's it's been what another six months it's still not in any locations. They're not producing it or, or is that, is that what you were saying? Right. So, you know, if you're watching this podcast in the future, it's October, 2022. And what we know from the military lawsuits right now is they, the military department defense tried to tell um, our military personnel that an EUA drug is interchangeable with an FDA approved drug. Yeah. That is absolutely false. And our courts have upheld that they are legally distinct. You cannot mandate an EUA drug. DOD came back and tried to deceive and coerce service members again and said that um, certain lots were BLA, biologics um, application compliant. Um, and that is equivalent to um, FDA approval, which is basically saying we produce these drugs as EUA, but now we're saying they're, F we're going back in time and saying that they're actually FDA approved. That is also false. <laughs> FDA approved drugs have their own label, they have their own approval process. You can't go back in time and declare an EUA drug is now FDA approved, um, mm -hmm. totally separate. So now as of October, 2022, we have community bios showing up on certain military um, posts and base, bases um, but with a very counterfeit looking label. It is missing many of the requirements wow. that the FDA, including a watermark and expiration date origin, um, so that is also being challenged. We should probably hear about that in court this week. Um, that uh, and it's also expired. So and I wow. just had a text um, from a senior officer tonight, right before this podcast, saying they just extended it again for the second time. These vials, um, they were expired. They were given another six months, and now they're getting another six months. So um, something is not right <laughs> something mm -hmm. is very nefarious and there's a lot of deception and <clears throat> it, it um we'll see I, but as of right now any parent that can't sleep at night because they're worried about an imminent mandate for their child to go to school the drugs do not the fda approved versions do not even exist in the united states and the reason why that is important is because of the um the, like you said, you can't be forced to take an EUA drug. And then uh, uh, the FDA drug, uh, if it wasn't on the schedule, then if you're if you got injured, you technically could 
could sue, right? But now that it's been accepted, or really, that's a great question for you. Because we're in this this in-between time, if you were injured and you did happen to get the the approved version, the community in this case, then since this hasn't actually gone into effect for the childhood schedule until February, are we technically then in a window where you could then sue the manufacturer? You can never sue the manufacturer in the United States of America since 1986. You, So if this FDA approved version of this vaccine existed, which it does not, um, and it was added to the childhood schedule by the ACIP under CDC, well, let's just set aside the COVID vaccine because it doesn't exist and I don't okay. want people to be confused. But if it were okay. any other vaccine that your child had a reaction to or an adult had a reaction to, you could enter into the vaccine um, injury compensation program, which is a very um, secretive court under the you know, HHS that um, one in 10 people do, you know, maybe get some sort some form of compensation if they're willing to pay lawyers for a decade and they're willing to take anything related to autism out of their case. I mean, it's a very narrow path to compensation in the vaccine injury compensation program. Um, I mean, it is possible, whereas compared to the any EUA vaccine under the PrEP Act, it's a different process in there's no liability. It's all mm -hmm. on you. You will never I would never under the PrEP Act. I would never expect anyone to be compensated for their oh, wow. medical bills or anything in the future. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about um, your journey I guess we don't need to worry about the COVID vaccine right now, but we have a very extensive uh, childhood vaccine schedule with the 72 doses of 14 different vaccines. Is that accurate? Um, and you engaging with legislation or legislator so your child has the right to an education, basically. Um, how did you start that journey of you know, going to your county and saying, hey, this is, this is not okay. I was living a pretty good life, not political. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then in 2014, um, I think it's through the National Vaccine Information Center, MVIC sent out an alert about a bill in Colorado and it was it was about that time where we really started to see all the states have aggressive bills against um, exemption rights, and they don't start aggressive. They the one in 2014. I think the the most offensive thing about it was that it would require a parent to, who wanted to use an exemption for any vaccine to go in um, to a what we call a reeducation module, where you would watch um, a module prepared by the health department that would inform you that vaccines are safe and effective and that you should take them all because your child's at risk for everything and more is better, you know, that sort of thing. Um, one size fits all medicine. Now I already had an injured child at this point and had really educated myself on the schedule, the risks of each of the diseases, you know, the viruses. And we, we were not able, we were not able to take any more vaccines for any of our children. They share a susceptibility. And so I thought this was just egregious that 
um, that this, I would go ask the state every year for permission to make my medical choice for my child. And I, anyone listening right now probably thinks that's just an education module. You can, <laughs> you can still say no and, and do what you want. Oh, that's how they all start. All of these, <laughs> here I am, I'm still in it. You know, 10 years later, I'm still fighting these bills because it's not just an education module. It's an education module that tracks your information, puts you in a state registry, labels you, um, uh, activates a reminder recall home visit program where oh it starts gosh. to feel like coercion if people are coming to your house offering you vaccines that you maybe don't want because if you wanted them, you would go get them. Um, and um, that's a whole nother topic, the tracking registries, um, these uh, state forms that feed these, these exemption forms in the recent years that they created, you know, for years, since 1978, we would hand in a letter to our schools and it would stay at local control. You would tell your school nurse, we we do, we do object to these vaccines and you would just sign a little letter. It was between you and your school nurse. No one knew about it, it was private. It was in a um, file cabinet and no problem. And the schools had the data they needed, but no one, you know, privacy was maintained, local control. And now we have these and, and protected through FERPA, right? It's protected not privacy was maintained, but it was legally required. It's a big purpose, a big deal. Um, what, what, so that, what is FERPA again? I'm not sure I'm familiar with that. FERPA is the uh, Family Educational, what's the R for? Um, Research Privacy Act, meaning all these people want data on your kids. And it started off with researchers wanting to get data on all your kids and, and use it for research. And FERP is a big privacy protection, not just for your kids personally identifying information. So researchers can't, you know, be using it against them later in their life or exposing mm -hmm. them. Um, but also the medical records are included and protected by FERPA that the state health department so desperately wants all, all the people who exempt from vaccines. They want their names. They want to put them in the registry. Um, they've tried to find all these ways to get around FERPA because FERPA says you can, the school cannot release any records to the state or any third party, any research or any organization, good or bad, without prior written parental consent. And so that was a real problem for these people at the Capitol and these pharma lobbyists who really wanted this medical data on the people who are exempting from vaccines. And so they created a state form. So now they could bypass the schools because now you're submitting your exemptions <clears throat> to the state hmm. this happened in almost every state not just colorado and in it um it not only tracks you the parent you the <clears throat> your student but your doctors any doctor willing to sign a medical exemption or in some states it's required for them to sign a religious or personal belief exemption now um which they're not qualified to do but legislation requires it um, now they're harassing the doctors too. If yeah. you write too many vaccine exemptions, now you're going to be threatened to lose your license or your accreditation or your insurance network. And so it was, a, you know, a, you know, you got the parents and the students and the tracking registry, and you also have the doctors. So any state that has a medical exemption, most of them do, uh, all of them do. Um, they're they're not California. really real. Reachable. California doesn't anymore. Yeah. California lost its religious and personal. Okay. Technically, medical. 
technically New York and um, California still have a form of medical, but it, no one will write it because they'll lose their license. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's, that's what happened. That's, you know, it's all these bills, they start off really like no big deal, but it's infringement and the slippery slope and their goal is no exemptions. You just have to understand every time you read one of these bills, even if it sounds like, well, that's not so bad, it's some data. Well, aggregate data becomes personally identifying information mm -hmm. really quick with just a stroke of a pen in the next iteration and mm -hmm. the next session, the next bill. And the one thing about, there are a couple of things about the data that should be terrifying to parents is that in the state of Colorado alone, there are almost 8,000 people that have access to the data. And that was two years ago. So the number is probably bigger now. So uh, people who work at schools have access to the data, and not just the data for the kids at their school, but the data for the entire state. Preschools, daycares, doctor's offices, pharmacists, they all have access. And we had a, a woman who testified at a bill where they were, you know, pushing for more data. And, and she testified that, look, I started work at a school and I was supposed to become the person who in, entered information into the Colorado database, which is called CIS. And she said, when I got there, the person who I was replacing, they still had access, even though they had lost their job. And I emailed wow. them and said, hey, I need to be vetted um, to get access. And they said, okay, we'll send you the form. And they sent her the form which she did, she said she didn't even open the email. She saw it. She's like, it's late in the day. I'll do it tomorrow. An hour later, she had access. They emailed her a login and a password, wow. right? They didn't even vet her. They, she could have been anybody saying, I work at this daycare. I now get access, right? So it's completely not private. And then the, the other scary part is, um, I know that our governor Polis has signed something, right? Probably another executive order because he likes them as much as Biden does mm -hmm. to, to sell that information, quote, share, sell mm -hmm. to Oklahoma, right? So now, now that information is being shipped out of state. Why? Right. Yeah. And so your it's, it is, it's your address. It's your employer. It's your name. It's your kids' names. It's literally everything about you. Just Everywhere, who everybody has access to it, mm -hmm. and, and it's being shipped across state lines. So it's terrifying when oh, it's just a form. Mm, it's not just a form. And for it, people that say, oh, you know, I'm a good citizen. I pay my taxes. I don't, you know, I have nothing to hide. What do you say to those people? <laughs> well, I'd say that you. Um, it's not that you have anything to hide. It's that this data will be used if you if you follow all the data to, um, you know, real ID 2030 and mm -hmm. everything connected to your ID, your, your emotional intelligence score under, you know, um, in a social credit type system where, you know, this could, your score, which could include your vaccination status, compliance with, you know, now what seems to be quarterly COVID vaccines could impact your uh, ability to get go to college, your ability to get a job, your ability to apply for a loan. I mean, to travel, yeah. but your children, your, it kind of affects your children like it does in, in China, right? If, if your social credit score is bad, your kid can't go do stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not just you, it's, it's your kids and future generations of your family. Mm -hmm. And I would assume for schools, 
that some of that information is mental health too, right? Mm -hmm. And so Bobby visited the, the school counselor and talked about this, that, and the other thing, and that's in that record. And then an employer wants to find out what's wrong with Bobby and it's just in the database somewhere for, right. you know, it's like I, I went to the school counselor when I was in high school a lot. I don't want people to be able to. Yeah, there's this secret yeah. file that people are accessing <laughs> yeah. and they're seeing all my drama. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, that was a pre-database computer right. for, for my rural school. Um, but as far as that, you know, as far as I know, it's probably out there. But going back to when I had mom issues, everybody. <laughs> But going back to how you start getting engaged, Pam, you're talking about, so you had to go watch this educational video and. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, that bill died. Okay, okay. <laughs> my new life, my new hobby was going to the Capitol, testifying on bills and um, getting other parents like Melissa or, you know, just anyone who, anybody who will show up and testify against these bills. And um, it wasn't till 2020 that they actually finally got the um, education module through legislation here in Colorado. And in the most shady of ways, you know, a pandemic hearing on a Sunday limited to 90 minutes with a Democratic supermajority. And just a side note, Democrats love taking away exemption rights. I'm sorry if that offends anyone. That is just a reality in mm -hmm. every state. So um, it, it just is that that's that they pharma has a stronghold with the Democratic Party and they would love to take that is the goal. They are working inch by inch to take away exemption rights in every state. And it's not always like California, New York, where it's one bill that says you no longer have exemptions. It's incremental. It's right. It's just it's like our last bill here in Colorado, it changed um, our religious and personal exemptions into non-medical exemptions. Oh, it sounds like no big deal, right? That's mm -hmm. so efficient just to have one word instead of two. Actually, religious accommodations and exemptions are a protected class and they have been, you know, since um, our Religious Freedom Act in, in the United States. So we basically demoted religious freedom or we're trying to eliminate religious freedom and you see that in the military right now with all of the religious accommodations being denied or on hold forever you know they've been on hold for 18 months waiting will i be separated will i be able to retire i've been in for 20 years i earned it will i be able to get promoted pcs go to a different duty station will i be able to progress at all in the military for 18 months our military members in all the branches in all the services um, you know, they have reserve active National Guard. They have no idea. They're just in limbo. This is huge amount of stress on these families, huge mm -hmm. amount of stress, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen with their career. And so um, definitely not helping mental health at all. But that I don't even know where I was going with this, but just know that um, whatever your democratic legislators say to you oh yeah, i understand it's no big deal you still have your exemption rights that's how they, they love to say that you still have your rights it's just it's for so the greater good yeah it's just so much harder you just have to watch my module find a doctor in colorado who will sign off on it none of them will and mm -hmm. um give up all your privacy it's no big deal you still have your exemption rights like that's the type of conversations you have to be ready 
to engage in. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a person that do not want to participate in this registry in the state of Colorado anyway, um, what are your options? Homeschool. <laughs> Mostly homeschool um, because it's an opt-out registry, which means everyone is added, right? And so that should be a red flag, right? So mm -hmm. if it was such a great thing that you wouldn't have to make it opt out, everyone would opt in on their own if they really wanted to be a part of this, but nobody does. So they put people in through when your birth certificate is created, when you... Um, school nurses can put you in the registry doctors can put you in the registry you probably don't even know you're in the registry right um it's very hard and i've moved in from out of state so somehow we have evaded the registry mostly because we weren't born here and i don't see a typical pediatrician mm -hmm. and i don't trust anybody at the local schools right <laughs> so you gotta just be you just gotta be vigilant you know you're super vigilant um and, and don't really, sign any forms don't fill don't out any forms. forms don't turn anything in i mean I, to the point of the one time i did turn in something i wrote on it in blue ink this will not be shared with anyone at the state and i'm recovering this piece of paper when at my my child is done with this program and I want to see the blue ink, right? Like I don't want it. I don't want to copy. I want the original and mm -hmm. you don't have permission to copy this or upload it to a database. Like these are the things I write on forms. Wow. And, and parents should absolutely be empowered to cross off things they don't agree with. And just a random side note, um, a lot of the forms you sign in an urgent care at the hospital or an ER, they want to do it electronically. You, you sign in, they're like, right. hey, just sign this screen and it says we can treat you. No, you want them to print that off and they're going to act like they don't know that they own a printer. They do. There's <laughs> one somewhere and you're going to teach them where it is. You're like, you know what? Somebody knows where your printer is. And then it's going to say in the fine print that you consent to biologics and you are going to cross that out because that means if you go under anesthesia they can give you a vaccine and they have. We have parents in Colorado who were given vaccines without their consent during a procedure when they were under anesthesia. We're talking inpatient, outpatient. Wow. Okay, now that's and interesting. I did not know because that. Because they consented to biologics. And so you want to cross that out and write, no, thank you, no vaccines. And, and again, you'll talk to nurses and they'll say, you know, this is really unnecessary. And you're like, oh, really? And then you share some little case studies with them. They're like, wow, I can't believe people would do that all the time, mm -hmm. all the time. Wow, that's... And I write more, like I write no vaccines, no inoculations, no biologics, no blood products. I mean, like the whole deal, because they need permission for all of them. Right. Especially mm -hmm. blood products, especially now, right? Because right. They're, they're not differentiating between COVID vaccinated blood and non and who, who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, on, on that topic, you know, uh, we've, we've talked about it a little bit in past episodes, but do you think we're at a tipping point? Because now you've got with, what's gone on with the COVID vaccine. It's shined this light because, you know, we know that the uptake in the vaccine was not that great. I mean, it's certainly the boosters did not go the way that they had anticipated and they've just got a lot of stock laying around that nobody's really uh, trying to, to, to go in an option. So, I mean, are we at this point now where people are like, okay, look, this, the, the bulk of, of, of people are saying, 
this isn't what we were sold and, you know, I'm not going to keep putting this in me. And now with this thing with the kids, I mean, do you think that this is that point where now a lot of those people who fought us from the other side with some of these typical, more typical vaccines are now saying, Hey, look, well, maybe, maybe this isn't as cut and dry as I thought, or are you still seeing a pretty hard wall? I'm personally seeing both. Okay. I'm, I'm still seeing a hard wall, but there are way more people who understand this issue now than, than there were three years ago. Right. Um, I think naming sudden adult death syndrome SADS was a <laughs> big mistake for them because it, it had, draws a direct correlation to SIDS. SIDS is vaccine injury, hands down, right. absolutely 100% vaccine injury. Um, and so when then you start calling things sads, people are like, huh? <laughs> and it makes people think, but there, you know, you still have this faction of people who are still getting their boosters. Not as many people are like flashing their arm pictures on Facebook and stuff like they were in the beginning. Um, and I, I don't, Pam, I don't know if you guys or any of you guys know what the childhood uptake was, but I remember seeing like a statistic that like the children that had gotten the full, you know, the two doses and the booster was like less than 3%. I, really, I knew it was it, small. It was really, really low. And so it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that means they're not getting it, it for the most part. Right. Cause they've seen what's going on. And if they didn't jump at it, you know, and I, I personally know one person who their kid has all three and it's a little three-year-old and I just pray for that child. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're not getting it, this man, this ACIP recommendation means nothing. Mm -hmm. If 97% of Americans are, are not vaccinating their children. Because mm -hmm. it's going to come to a head really quickly. You know, when, when some of these school districts put in requirements like this, because you're going to just have a, an insane number of people that, that are not participating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be, like you said, an insane number of people not participating. Yeah. So as far as all the bills that are coming through and um, showing up, do you guys feel like, because you're saying 2020, um, Pam, they passed a... They finally passed that bill, right? Where you have either you get out of school or you just have to comply with the program, I guess. Um, do you feel it's still empowering, still important to show up and um, stay vigilant with the bills and uh, speak your truth, basically, to these, um, you know, board members or health officials um what should the moms do or the moms and the dads do <laughs> so first of all we have a very important election coming up here in november if, mm -hmm. in colorado we desperately need a senate majority or a republican governor that can block some of these bills mm -hmm. um so that would be wonderful and exciting and celebratory where do people go to actually find what bills are going through in your state so in january our session starts it's different in every state and they can go to the colorado legislative assembly website and um and they can put in a search for vaccine immunization covid whatever the search terms they want to put in we have a team of people who do that and we're looking for anything related to our issue. 
you know, we send out alerts as many, we have several organizations in our state that will send out alerts um, and NVIC sends them out to all the states. If, if you haven't signed up for um, the email list for National Vaccine Information Center, NVIC, they're on it. They're, they're the best. Um, I work collaboratively, collaboratively with them. Mm -hmm. um, I find things they don't find and they find things that I don't find. So you need, you need an eagle eye because they can um, hide these types of bills in the language. So we, we have, we have a lot of search terms that we look for. Um, and so then, you know, we do have a very challenging, if, if we do not flip the Senate or get a Republican governor, then we have a Democratic supermajority in our state. And if you're in a blue controlled state, I've, I'm with you. I'm in the trenches with you. Um, but I've seen things happen that, I mean, anything is possible just because they have the votes and they can pass it through the House and the Senate to the governor. I've seen the bill sponsor get a DUI and the bill dies. I've seen, <gasps> um, I've seen the, you know, really good lobbying where it slows down the process. So on other bills, not just the bills we care about, but all the bills slow everything down and they run out of time before session is over in May. Um, I've seen that happen as well. So I'm, I don't, even though it is, uh, it can be very discouraging to have hundreds or thousands at our last bill testify against these bills and um, still uh, the Democratic supermajority has the ability to pass them. You still have to show up. You still have to fight. You still have to hope and pray that something will happen to stop it, especially if we're talking about a mandate of the first mRNA vaccine, which I think based on the deception by the Department of Defense with our service members, you will see more mRNA vaccines being offered to parents without fully informed consent that you're getting an mRNA flu shot. It's not the flu shot that you received in previous years or mRNA um, RSV shot or um, HIV. Uh, there's there's numerous ones you know in the pipeline. So I think that it will be one of the tactics where you start seeing traditional vaccines turned into mRNA vaccines and really not having that conversation with providers that this is a completely different vaccine than you thought you were getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because you're going to, they're going to leverage the marketing and the, uh, that they've done for decades and just kind of transition into this uh, new technology, which uh, has no, has no real history, yes. you know? Okay. So let's go back to the, we talked about legislation. Let's just finish full circle on autism, Pam, you were talking about your son. Now he's 17 and you've seen a regression. What were all the things that I guess you've you've done? You've done detox, you've done diet. Melissa's done detox, done diet. We have done detox, we have done diet. Then we come through the teenage years and things change. How can we uh, help the kids? <laughs> well, so... Part of the, you know, it's been a year for us and I, we still don't have it under control. Mm -hmm. um, we're in a better place in the last three weeks. Um, but, and so when you're, when you're war weary from 18 years of autism, you know, you, at first, you know, I had had COVID um, in September. So when, when my son started to have problems in October, I thought, oh, it's viral. Our kids process viruses differently. They process them behaviorally often and not with traditional symptoms. So 
we thought, oh, maybe he has COVID. We went through some protocols as if it were COVID. And then my son also has a problem with strep. So when you're vaccine injured, your immune system is altered for life. You know, he is immune compromised. So um, we thought, okay, maybe this is another strep issue with PANDAS, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with strep or just PANDAS. It could be any virus or bacteria, actually. It doesn't have to be strep. Strep is one of the most common ones, and that's the one we had a problem with several times. And so we did some strep protocols. Um, we, we did so many protocols trying to figure out what it was. And ultimately, what it came down to um, is neurotransmitters, is that um, his serotonin is insane. Um, he, he has a serotonin at 20,000, which is, you know, the max on the scale is 8,000. Wow. His doctor had never seen a score that high. And so, you know, it can cause psychiatric problems. It can cause you to be psychotic, it to be out of your mind, not all the time, but unpredictably. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he had developed aggression again, not all the time, but unpredictably, and so we're, we're now, um, we're looking at things like cortisol. He has low cortisol, it causes um, aggression. He has low testosterone, it causes aggression. We have the, the, the serotonin syndrome, which is normally caused by the use of SSRI type drugs, which we, we don't use. So, mm-hmm. you know, more mystery. Um, so, and he is, he's hypothyroid now. So, um, and that the thyroid controls everything, right? right. It controls. So we're working on some neurotransmitter support with some supplements to get that serotonin into a normal range. It's been a month. We haven't made much progress. We, and I guess I should just say this because some parent needs to hear this. I was talking to a parent today about it who had weaned their child off all the pharmaceutical drugs for seizures and, and, um, you know, so there's no shame or judgment for using pharmaceutical drugs because mm-hmm. they're, they have a place. Mm-hmm. And right now we're, we're in the last three weeks, we're using a drug and it has stopped the aggression. And that is to keep us safe, to keep him safe, to keep other people safe. Um, and hopefully it's a bridge until we can figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with people. I mean, I feel, I feel really defeated. Um, after you get, you know, you make progress and you're got your life back and you've lived it for 18 years and you're like, yeah, we beat, you know, if you want to call it autism, ours is encephalitis, you know, we, we beat both sides. We beat the, the encephalitis, we beat the immune issues. We, we, I mean, we were winning, winning, winning and, and we're not winning. We're, we're losing. And, um, we're still in it. I mean, we're, I'm a fighter and we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure it out for other parents. Like I got my friend, Melissa here and all my other friends with younger kids, we're figuring it out, not just for our kid, but for other people's kids. And, but I, I think if anyone is new to this issue and maybe COVID woke them up and they're, you know, a little more skeptical about vaccines, I just want you to know that that injury that you know my child incurred at 15 months, we are still dealing with it at age 18. We are still, I still regret that choice. 18 years, every day, 
of those 18 years, I've regretted that choice. You don't get it back. Mm -hmm. And um, I should probably be in some type of program. (laughs) 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 We're we're, we're in group therapy. Group therapy. (laughs) Maybe that's why I, I, I spend a lot of my time at the Capitol because I don't ever want this to happen to another family. And, um, and so I'm out there fighting for people who don't even know yet that what could happen and what they need to be protected from. And, um, with parents like Melissa and so many others like yourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're protecting people that don't even know there's a threat yet. Yes. Yes. And, and, and Pam, on the on the regression in the teenage years there, is, is that something since, you know, just kind of reawakened me to that uh, that idea? Is that pretty well documented or is it kind of a new frontier in autism right now? You know, it's common. If, if it's documented, I have not tapped into that that database yet okay. because I have so many heroes out there who are ahead of me, you know, by 10 years or more. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to them, the ones that I knew that had the regression. And I'm like, Hey, you know, what was it? And a couple of them that all of you would know, you know, um, big, you know, heroic people with big audiences. And then, you know, we, it was everything, you know, it, it wasn't one thing. We just fell apart in it. In it. And I found that it's usually around age 17. Mm-hmm. And it takes about a year maybe to get them back. And you don't always get everything back. Is I mean, I'm just being honest. Like mm-hmm. I'm not sugarcoating this. Yeah. And um and we're that's where we're at. We're we're in it. We're in the thick of it. And and that's the thing. So you test my son for all the things I already listed, and he everything is abnormal. Like, and so it's like, okay, everything, his viral loads abnormal, his bacterial loads abnormal, his neurotransmitters are abnormal, his hormones are abnormal. Nothing is normal with our kids once they're injured, right? They're mm-hmm. always just one thing. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> yes. One thing and they're, everything is off. Yeah. And so it's like, which one of these is the root cause? And that's what we're, the little shell game we're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Is it the testosterone? I don't know. Is it the thyroid? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and. And for all of you at home who are watching this thinking, I, I don't even know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. That is why you need your tribe. <laughs> you yes. Know? Yeah, yeah. Yes. To you say, can't hey, do this alone. That's Did this that's help sure. you? Right? You're like, <laughs> what helped you? What helped you the most? And, you know, what didn't what help? What was the and, silver bullet for you? <laughs> you know? Right? Who did and, you talk to? What kind of test did you run? <laughs> exactly. I just had these conversations today. You know, like, I did this test, you know, uh, try this and... Um, and it is so much, uh, trial and error for every kid, for every kid. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you guys? How can we support you? How can we find your stories? Um, how can we reach out to you? Communication director. Um, (laughs) Producer. Uncomfortable pause. You. So we're Colorado Health Choice Alliance, uh, cohealthchoice.org is where you can find us. And we do the Serious Shot podcast, which has been on hiatus for a couple of months. um, But still has fantastic content. Yeah, yeah, we've had some really great shows um, and we're we're gearing up um, to start back up probably at the beginning of the year. So um, it'll it'll be great again. And um, 
but cohealthchoice.org is, is, is that website. podcast that hosted in on multiple platforms or is it a primary place yeah that... yeah it's i mean we it's on spotify and apple podcast yeah the major ones yeah yeah mm-hmm. because and we'll the, share the links in the show notes yeah say because we when we produce it it the little program we use goes where do you want to send it to and it just, <laughs> yes gotcha gotcha <laughs> trying to make it easy right that's what we do well thank you so much ladies um so honor to be you know Mel's friend, so honored to get to meet you, Pam. So just amazed about your fight, your heart, um, giving your all every day, you know, for our kids and for the moms and the kids out there too. Thank you so much for fighting for us. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Agreed. Bye. Bye. Recording stop. All right, Fabi, another great episode. Wasn't oh, that, that awesome? that was amazing. That was the episode I always wanted to do. It was. And finally had the guts and the fronts to do it with. Well, and we'll do more mm-hmm. on that front because we, we, we have a lot to say in, in that front. I mean, we, we probably already shadow banned. I mean, already been kicked out of YouTube. <laughs> you know? But we're going to say our truth. I, I still, Uncensored. I still can't believe we were kicked off YouTube. I, I mean, literally, know. we had like 35 views and well, five videos. People say should wear it as a badge of honor. A badge of honor. All right, we do. We're going to start every podcast with, and YouTube ban Collective Resistance Podcast. That's yeah. why you should listen to us. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, and so uh, everybody remember to uh, jump on Telegram. Yep. We have our Telegram channel at the Collective Resistance Continue Podcast. Continue the conversation there. Yeah. I've kind of let the Twitter um, account uh, go a little bit to the wayside. I, I don't know. It, I just... I just too many. It's hard. Well, I, I was uploading the clips that we were putting on YouTube uh, on there, and now I don't have the clips anywhere. You got to do clips. Yeah, so. we have a lot of work to do, but you know, we're still earning our matrix participation <laughs> tokens. Thank you, Mitch. And we got to get up early. <laughs> yes, tomorrow for early. that matrix participation. So, thanks so much for being with us. And here, let me, let me get this without any, um, you know, uh, uh, here. What do you want to tell everybody, Fab? Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, We love you all. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay curious. Woo! Woohoo!